Well, there is a, a saying, isn't there? If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. That's not what we want to do. And yet at the same time, one of the problems with the notion that we've just seen earlier in our earlier session, that it's Jesus' church and he is building his church, is that we can erroneously take ourselves out of the picture and in so doing, do nothing. Aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time. As we've already seen though, the way in which God is building his church includes people. I said earlier that that has to be one of the most inefficient plans ever. Why would God use suboptimal people like us to bring about his plan? Seems like the worst decision ever, doesn't it? And yet the reason that he does so is for his own glory. See, at the end of the day, if God can use us to bring about his eternal purposes, then nothing he, do can be, nothing he does can be thwarted. He truly can do all things. He truly can be marveled at if he uses people such as us, such as you and me. And so we saw in our last session uh, really the biblical basis for uh, making disciples for the glory of God. Now in this session, as Matt's mentioned, we want to talk about the particularized ways we want to do that this year. And that's an important part, this year. For the last 10 years, we've made this a priority for us. Oftentimes, we've met at a launch dinner, as we've called it. We've made it a priority for us to aim for growth each and every year. As the other famous saying goes, if you keep doing what you've always been doing, you'll keep getting what you've always been getting. And so 10 years ago, we articulated our vision. You can see it on your screen, uh, and uh, hopefully you know it well. We exist to glorify God. How? By making disciples. What do those disciples look like? Well, they're ever-growing. Just like the passage that Glennis read for us, they grow in love for Jesus, they serve his people, the church, and they share Christ with the lost. They love God and they love their neighbour. Two different types of neighbour, the Christian and the non-Christian, the church and the lost. And we love them in slightly different ways. We grow the church and we share Christ with the lost. Nevertheless, we're trying to move each one of those people further and further along in their relationship with Christ. That's how we show them love. And the way we do this is through listening to God in His Word, by His Spirit, and depending on God in prayer. This is our vision. But it's pretty general, isn't it? It's quite a general vision. It's a, a vision that's by no means unique to our church. And it is a, a guiding vision. A guiding vision that sets our direction as to where we want to go. Indeed, I would hope that in any church anywhere in the world, they could pick this vision statement up and work with it. It's a motherhood and apple pie statement. But the way we've decided to always move forward year by year is to take this generalized vision and then uh, proceed to make annual goals. Small annual goals that will help us to take little steps in growth so that when we look back on things, we can see where we've come from and notice the growth that's happened over the last, two, over the last 10 years and even more. In my experience, far too many churches have a long-term plan, maybe a 10-year plan or a five-year plan, and it's so long uh, that it gets forgotten or no one seems to remember. And then there's the other types of churches who just go on thinking that aiming at nothing and running regular Sunday services and uh, all the regular activities is going to result in good outcomes, and they might under God. 
But I think we should be setting directions and plans, seeking to aim at something so that we'll hit growth by God's grace. Have a look at this picture that's on the screen. I'm not sure if you'll be able to make it out particularly well. Uh, but this picture on the screen comes from my family home. Uh, I got mum to send it to me through the week. It is the growth chart on the inside of the linen cupboard. Do you have one of those? I know we have one at our current home that has uh, 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 families of the past uh, that have lived in that house as, uh, as ministry people. Uh, and it's got all their names on it as well on the inside of our home as well. It shows, doesn't it, how my, uh, you might not be able to see there, but it shows how my family grew up over time. My mum, my dad, my sister, and it's expanded over time into the cousins and then into the grandchildren. Uh, Lathan, Jarrah, Balin, they're all on there. Lathan, just a little bit shorter than me, of course. Is that right, Lath? Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll argue about this later. Um, uh, but that's, that's what you do. You measure the growth. And what this chart does is it measures incremental growth. Incremental growth in our own physical human life. And it's no different in a church. By and large, God works incrementally in our lives. And we want to make small steps of growth year on year so that we can look back over time and see what it is that God has done in our church family. We also want to set goals because they help us to stay on track and measure our progress with these small incremental goals over time time. Now, of course, the last two years have thrown spanners in the works that we weren't expecting. They've taken us in different directions. We haven't necessarily achieved the goals that we aimed for and perhaps we weren't even able to achieve those goals because of the restrictions that were there. However, if we do look back over time, we can see the ways in which God has been working in our church family and in our lives. For example, nearly a decade ago, uh, four or five parents, uh, including ourselves with kids around about the same age, got together and ran a kids holiday club, uh, mainly for our own kids, but also for a few kids in the community. It numbered to about 25 kids and it was a one day, uh, a one day thing in the school holidays. As you know, uh, except for the last two years, over recent times, it's, it's expanded from 20 to 40 and 40 to 70 and most recently 100 kids signing up for that kids club. Incremental growth. In recent years, of course, too, we've added youth programs to that week and surf programs to that week in this April school holidays. This is how God has been working amongst us. And it's exciting to see these incremental changes. Another example is in our staff team together. A decade ago, the appointment of an assistant minister was a large stretch for our church family, meaning that we actually had to dip into the savings in order to pay for the assistant minister. When the rector of that time uh, moved to a different place, that was actually uh, good. It allowed the church time to breathe to be able to pay that minister and save a little bit of money again. It was not guaranteed that we would have an assistant minister year on year on year. But now we not only have an assistant minister uh, that is on our team, we're uh, really glad that Matt has joined our team in the last year. Uh, we also have uh, Ella now expanded to three days a week. Uh, and this year, uh, though it's only a small increase, we're excited to say that Beck will go from eight hours a week to 12 hours a week in our church family serving in various different ways. You'll also be excited to know that as Beck makes those changes, uh, the time that she spends uh, in that week in those extra hours is in many ways meeting with people, 
reading the Bible and, and doing ministry tasks. She is the administrator, but gifted in ministry as well, for which we're greatly thankful. We're thankful for this incremental growth over time, and we're thankful that you have been a part of it. And this is what we must continue to do. Uh, we could see these same sorts of examples over and over again in our church life, but we must aim at growth and aim at achievable growth and aim at incremental growth. This means for all of us, we need to have that sense of a, a discontent, a godly discontent with the status quo. As I said before, if we keep doing what we've always been doing, we'll keep getting what we've always been getting. We need to have a constructive discontent that we might move forward in our ministry and growth together. Of course, there's destructive discontent also, isn't there, uh, where we're unhappy with the situation and unwilling to be part of the solution. But God has placed us together that we might grow. I talk to the boys that I coach in cricket and I say to them this, I want to help you with your batting. Some of the boys in the team, Balaam will be able to attest to this, it's not him, he's very fine, but uh, the other boys in the team, they don't want to listen to my advice. They don't want to know how to play their shots a little better. They're not interested. Don't want to know about it. But it's true, isn't it? No one in the game of cricket is a perfect batsman. We can all work on our skills. There is a sense of discontent if we want to move forward in our cricketing game. No one's a 10 out of 10 all the time. And our church, of course, is the same. We're not a 10 out of 10 church. We never will be. We're suboptimal people and so on, but there's ways for us to be able to improve. But in order to improve, we need to embrace the constructive sense of discontent in our church family and seek to achieve a different and new goal. And as the passage that Glennis read for us says, we're going to grow in three different directions. We're going to grow in love for Jesus. And we're going to grow in love for the church, Christians. And we're going to grow in love for the lost. And as I mentioned earlier, this means that growth is all of our responsibility. In a very real way, my responsibility is to grow you in Christ. And yet, in the same way, your responsibility is to grow me in Christ. And in a very real way, it is Bob's responsibility to grow Alicia in Christ. And it is Bronwyn's responsibility to grow Dave in Christ. And we could go all around the room and do the same thing. It is, it is on our, our shoulders together that we should have a sense of holy discontent about the growth in the life of one another so that we might invest in each other and bring about that growth in which we want to see. We've got to aim at growth. So how do we work out then what to invest in? Well, that's where the next point on your outline comes in. We need to think of ourselves not necessarily as Helensburg Anglican Church, although that's a good thing to do. We need to think of ourselves of, as St. Fred's in Yabba Dabba Doo Land. Many of you have heard me talk about this example before, but the church is very much like the picture you see on your screen. The Flintstones car. I always think to myself, if Fred Flintstone gets to work by hopping in a car that's then powered by his feet, why don't you just run to work? And someone explain that to me? It makes no sense at all, does it? And look at the rest of his family here. Put your feet on the ground. People, you've got to put your feet on the ground. That's how you power the car. The, the feet are feverishly uh, working away underneath the car. 
And our church is like that car. We need everybody jumping in the car and pedalling away. It's interesting, we, I didn't talk to Beck uh, earlier about the uh, example that she would give about the boat, but it's true. Uh, that's uh, that's a, a great analogy to have. Our momentum as a church family will happen as we all pedal in the same direction for the same common goals. Now, I think we are a great church. I am encouraged as I talk to uh, other ministers and other pastors with uh, great and deep issues in their church family Uh, We don't have those things in our church family as far as I know. And the pandemic uh, hasn't affected us as in the same way that it has has affected other churches. Some people have said over uh, recent years that uh, 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 as you assess churches around the place, you'll find out, as the old saying goes, uh, uh, whether the emperor has no clothes on when it comes to the pandemic and churches. And we are in a strong position. Just look at us today as we gather together. And yet, we still need to improve. We still need to aim at growth. We still need to take the time this year to aim in a certain direction and to achieve it. After all, over the last two years, as I mentioned earlier, the pandemic has taken many of us out of the car. As we watch services from home or lockdowns slowed our activities down and the momentum and speed we had as a church has been to some degree lost. And so that means this year, we're going to look to consolidate some of our ministries. For example, we've been unable to have our mission week with our kids' own holiday clubs for the last two years. That has taken a lot of wind out of our sails. As a result, this year, rather than try and run and spread ourselves thin with a youth program and with the surf program and various other things, we're going to put all of our eggs in the one basket and try to get the momentum back into the kids' holiday program. And, the, uh, and focus on missions there with the kids and the parents who will bring their kids along. This same sort of consolidation may be required in other ministries as well. But we want to continue to get the momentum we need uh, in order to achieve our annual goals. Secondly, and again, this was not planned out in any way, shape or form, um, Beck mentioned uh, that sometimes uh, her little family boat is not necessarily connected to the boat of the church. And sometimes like the Flintstones mobile, we can be in a, 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 a car alongside or being towed along behind. There is a sense in which working together limits what it is that we can work on. We can only go in certain directions. If we all pile in the Flintstones car and as a church head in the same direction, there are certain things we cannot do. After all, if everyone goes in, in different directions doing wonderful and good things... That might be excellent, but not conducive to making progress in growth in our church family. Think of that car again. If everyone is facing in a different direction and running in a different direction, there will be not a lot of momentum or not a lot of progress. So as a result, we as a church family, not being a massive church, we do have to pick and choose the things that we will focus on. It's important for us that we do go in the same direction. And that's why our church vision statement is helpful. It asks us, is this activity we're doing seeking to make disciples? If it is, we can investigate it. If not, we don't choose to do it at that time. What this means is that we've got all sorts of passions and interests and even gifts. And some of the time in a smaller church family, we cannot utilise all of those things in order to go in one direction at the same time. We need to have a sharpened focus and a sharpened approach in order that the forward direction we achieve might be uh, growth oriented. Related to this 
It's important for us, therefore, to be in the car together. The church of God in this place is only as good as its uh, strength of relationships and love for one another. As I mentioned before, so many uh, seek to do church in friendship circles or in their school or in their workplace. These are their primary relationships. But I want to encourage you not to make those things a substitute for the local church. Don't uh, ride your car parallel to the church car, but jump in and work together on these goals. That's why God has placed us together. And in fact, when we sit in that car together, we can encourage each other, carry each other's burdens, ride shoulder to shoulder, put our arm around each other, help each other. And these things we cannot do if we are disconnected. Indeed, one of the ways that we want to improve in 2022 and to grow is to build our connectedness. That's something I'll speak about in a moment. So, what are we doing this year? Well, under God, we're aiming for growth. We're recognising that though everything has changed, God has not changed, His plan has not changed, and His vision for us has not changed. And so we want to talk about what we can achieve modestly under God in this year for His glory. You've got these things in your outline, and I want to take you through some of them. I'm going to ask Ella and Matt in a moment to jump up and share some of that too, so that it's not just my voice. But let's have a look together. We want to increase and help us to understand our overall vision a little more. That's my job. I want to increase the visibility of the vision within our church. And there's a few things we want to do in order to do that. We want to increase the communication of our vision through varied media. If the last two years have taught us things, it's taught us that we can use varied media. We weren't doing that before. We're able to do that now and it's a little easier. And so we'd like to do that a little more to make it clearer. The one thing that we are uh, uh, good at doing, myself included, is being forgetful people. And so I want to encourage us and keep us on track about the main thing of making disciples of Jesus for the glory of God. To that end, we want to create a new vision video for our services. We want to connect our building work, which I'll talk about in a moment, to our vision and to why we're doing it. Uh, we want to give uh, monthly based videos or interviews of how the vision is working out in the lives of you and I. We want to bring these things to your attention, for your encouragement, that the vision that we're putting forward is actually working out in people's lives. If you can see that in place in your own life, let us know. We'd love to share that with others and to encourage you as well. And we'd love to uh, bring about, as we start to bring back our services to more normality, we hope, to a new bulletin to communicate that vision as well. As Ella comes up, there's three other areas that are all focused around making disciples. Uh, over the next little bit, we're going to talk about growing in love for Jesus. Ella's going to share that with us. I'll come back and talk about serving his people at church, and Matt will talk about sharing Christ with the lost. Thanks, Ella. Good morning, everybody. It is, um, a bit tricky to see your face and I feel the light's like right in your eyes. Um, so I'm here just to talk a little bit about um, how... Uh, some of the things that I am trying to implement in our church family uh, that will help us uh, to grow in love for Jesus. But I thought that I would um, start by telling you a story about why it's passionate or why I'm passionate about this. So about eight years ago, um, Matt's best friend died of cancer. Um, he was 34 years old and he had three small children, two of whom were twins who were three, and a newborn baby who was about six months old. About two years later, so about six years ago, 
Uh, I went to a wedding uh, where I was able to catch up with his wife, so Matt's best friend's wife, uh, who had these small children that she was raising. Life was incredibly hard for her, um, and she was struggling, as you can imagine. Um, she, I had this really great conversation with her at this wedding where I asked her loads of questions about how she was going because I was really um, concerned about how we can care for people who have gone through extreme hardship uh, as Christians. But one of the things that I think struck me most about this conversation that I had with her uh, was some of the things that she was saying to me. So uh, one of the things that stood out the most to me was that she said, you know, Ella, I think that God is in control of the world, but I don't think that he cares about us individually. I don't think that his hand is actually on our lives in the way that we might have thought of before. And I sort of sat there and listened and took it all in. There's a whole bunch of other things that she was saying to me. Uh, and I went away and I reflected a lot on what she said. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe when you've gone through these things, you really do have a better understanding of just what God's like. And maybe some of the things that, before you go through those hard things, you just don't quite get it. But then I reflected and I thought to myself, I also know that there are passages in the Bible where God speaks about how he knows the hairs on our head, like that he cares about us intimately, that he knows us intimately, that he knows us when we're in our mother's womb being grown. And I, as I reflected, I thought, I think that some of her grief and some of the hardships of her life have altered the way that she understands what the Bible says. The Bible still says all of those things, but I think actually her pain and her suffering is causing her to misunderstand just how much God does care about her life. I, I'm not saying that what she was going through wasn't valid or that, um, yeah, that it wasn't right for her to be questioning those things. But I think as I reflected, those were the conclusions that I came to. And I was in the car about two weeks after being at this wedding where I'd had these conversations, and I can remember saying to Matt, you know, Matt, I would hate to think that something so extraordinary like that could rock my faith so that I was questioning God's goodness and I was questioning whether or not he cared for me in such extreme ways. Two weeks after I said that to Matt, he was being helicoptered to St George Hospital and was in ICU in a coma and we weren't sure if he was going to live. So I wasn't, I, was, I remember thinking to myself, wow Lord, like that was quick. <laughs> you know, like I wasn't expecting that just quite so soon. But all of a sudden I was in extraordinarily difficult circumstances. Uh, I was unemployed. Matt was our sole provider and I had a very small baby who I was looking after myself. Um, and I think as I reflected over and over and over again, my friend still struggles with her faith. Um, I think I've come to understand that it's understanding what the Bible says in the times where life is easy, that when you get to those harder times, we can draw faith from what we already know. Because I think, and I'd like to reread it to you, this is the passage, the first passage that was read this morning. So it was from Matthew chapter 7, 
Uh, starting at verse 24, and it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. And I think there are so many passages in the Bible about Jesus being our teacher. But I wonder whether you've ever stopped to reflect that that makes us students. And I don't think that um, I have to explain to you when we think about the concept of students, and certainly not to the teachers who are in the room or the ex-principal who's in the room, that students know that they are studying for an exam or an assessment or a test. So as students, as Christians, we should be expecting that we will be tested and challenged in our faith. And so the preparation, like any good student, comes before the test. So on that note, uh, some of you in the past two years have uh, taken up the 30-day Bible reading challenges that I've done. You will notice in your booklets that there is a 2022 Bible reading plan. You might like to pull that out and have a little look at it. Um, inside, you will see many, many, many passages and many, many, many dates uh, to read. Please don't be overwhelmed by that. Um, when I came up with this idea, I thought it was really good and then I was working on it at home and I showed it to Matt and he just said, like, who does them? Honestly, you start, you get about five days in, and then it all just goes pear-shaped. Just stick to the 30-day ones. They're great. But I want to encourage you. Um, this study's been, been designed. It starts tomorrow. You'll notice it doesn't say December 1, when we all have our great plans for the year. But it starts tomorrow, and it goes through until the end of November. So it's not quite the whole year. Uh, before it gets really busy with December and everything else that goes on in our church family. Uh, it's also been designed so that more or less you can jump in and out when you feel like you can. It's also been designed so that uh, come June, when there's 30 days, I will do a Bible reading challenge again and we will use this to work through. So you'll be able to pick this up and say, yeah, I want to actually commit again in the middle of the year and I'll do it again in November right before everything gets busy and you feel completely drained to try and encourage us in our um, Christian walk to be reading God's word regularly. But can I encourage you um, to take this up, maybe speak to somebody who's here today and say, hey, would you like to get together once a week and just read through some of it? Um, it's a great way to be able to pick up a resource that our church already has uh, and to be committed to just reading through the Bible. Uh, most of the passages are only about a chapter long. Sometimes they're a little bit longer because it makes sense in the context of what we're reading. Um, but yeah, I'd really love for people to uh, get involved with this. Uh, if you would like to get involved, send me through a message today. I'm going to set up a little Facebook chat group where we can just contribute and share, hopefully, and keep each other motivated. 
Um, so that's the first thing that we'll be that uh, that we're doing uh, as something that can hopefully help us to be good students as Christians and to be prepared for whatever 2022 throws at us. Um, the other thing that we're going to be doing uh, is, um, yes, I've mentioned the catch-up reading plans, but those will be in June and in November. Um, and then uh, we're also going to try out a prayer month. So I'll create a um, plan that hopefully will be something that we can pop in our fridges. Uh, and we'll have different things, different prompts for us to be praying through. So maybe praying for our government, maybe praying for our children, maybe praying for um, a, a country overseas. They'll be fairly random and fairly general so that uh, they can be things that just uh, prompt you to be praying outside of your own personal world. Um, and then we're also going to be running uh, a ministry called Press On Mental Health. Uh, the last two years have been incredibly taxing on every single person. I think even if you've loved lockdown and have not found it hard, you have probably found the people around you who are finding lockdown and COVID hard, hard work. Uh, so we're going to be doing that. It's run by the same people who run the uh, marriage course that we've done in the past as well. So, um, yeah, can I encourage you to be praying uh, for your brothers and sisters that they will continue to grow in love for Jesus. Thanks, Ella. That's, that's brilliant. I'm sure you'll agree over the last couple of years as we've found ourselves in strange circumstances, Ella has pulled us back to the importance of reading God's Word together like that. And we thank you for that, Ella, and putting this together for us this year as well. So thank you for doing that. Uh, we keep moving forward to the next section, serving His people, the church. We want to encourage you in this particular area as well. We want to increase service in our church family. As I mentioned before, just by a, a quirk of circumstance over the last couple of years, it's just uh, stopped our opportunities to serve in organised ways. And so we want to be able to open up some of those opportunities. It's going to take some intentionality on our part and on, uh, on our part as leaders as well to help lead us in this direction of growth. So we want to do that by later on in the year, uh, having what we're calling a gift assessment week. We'll talk to you more about that as it comes on, but that might be something that you're interested in getting involved with. Uh, we want to set up a group in some way, shape or form. We'll talk about this for the awareness of congregational needs. And so if that's uh, something that's uh, uh, interested to you, you let us know about that as well. Uh, we want to encourage you and train you and equip you about specific follow-up of those drifting from church and uh, perhaps from youth group as well. Uh, that has happened in every church over the last couple of years. Uh, we're not happy with that, of course, uh, and uh, we want to help one another to do that. One of the uh, big problems sometimes, uh, depends who you are really, uh, but sometimes if, uh, if I'll uh, give someone a call or a text, it's like the principal coming around to your house or doing something like that. People don't, sometimes people react that way. No, I'm not going to listen. But it's better if we do it together. And so if we can help those who are drifting from, from church together, that will be better for us all. Uh, we want to increase the numbers of, number of leaders in kids' church. Uh, that has been declining over recent times and, uh, and has been uh, similar faces for quite a long time. That's great. But we do want to increase the number, uh, not just to run programs. That's great. But to invest in the growth of our children. That's really important. Uh, as we want to do that. Uh, when it comes to youth, we want to increase the attendance to LIT, to leaders in training. We had four attend uh, this 
uh, year and we'll hear from them in the next couple of weeks. We we're going to hear from them today, but we won't today, uh, but we will hear from them over the next few weeks about what that was like. Uh, we just want to have simply more people participating in teams and on Sundays, and we'll talk about that in the next few weeks in our church family. And then we want to increase opportunities for relationship building and friendships. Uh, one of the things that I think uh, we're not super strong at uh, is developing our friendships amongst our church family together. For example, it's been terrific uh, to see in which, uh, the way in which our, our youth have engaged with night church. That's an excellent thing. Down, the downside to that is the whole family has transitioned to night church. Now, what does that say? Well, it doesn't say a whole lot, except that uh, it's, it, what it means is when a whole family transitions to night church, there are relationships and friendships left behind at the 10 o'clock service. And that really discourages those who are left behind at the 10 o'clock service. So as a result of, of that, uh, what that shows us is that the, the family relationship is much stronger than the friendships and relationships that are necessarily in that 10 o'clock service. Uh, it's a service and that's great, but the friendships and relationships are not as deep there as they could be. And so we want to increase the opportunity, particularly at that 10 o'clock service, for relationship building and friendships. And of course, the pandemic hasn't helped us in that regard. And so we want to put some things into place that will help us to do that as well. Uh, and so that's, uh, there are some, uh, some goals to aim at as far as serving his people, the church. Matt, you're going to talk about sharing Christ with the lost. and it should be one of the areas where we have this godly discontent. Our church should be mourning because of our front door opportunities that have suffered. We want to focus on both new and existing ministries that provide a front door connection for our community. The first one that's on your list here is the Moving In Ministry. This is a ministry that we've been trying to get off the ground for a number of years now and haven't, and it's simply a way of welcoming people into our area and letting people know that our church is here in this postcode in 2508, that we exist and what we're about. We'd like to get that up and running this year. We would like to focus on a various number of community events to connect with our church family, and specifically, uh, Steve's mentioned this, the, the Holiday Kids Zone Club. We want to set up a team uh, to implement parent engagement. We have a number of parents who come and drop off their kids and pick up their kids every day, uh, and it's just a great opportunity for us to engage with them. And in order to do that, you need to be trained, and we'd like to train you up in how best to do this, how best to invite friends and family to events in our church and our services. The last one um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, but before, sorry, before I do get to the last one, um, Steve mentioned this to me yesterday. He said, do you know, and I've heard this before, do you realize that there are more people who are willing to accept an invitation to church than people who are willing to give an invitation to church? And so that should be a real challenge for us. So that means that if you give an invitation, chances are there's people out there that are willing to accept it. And I don't think we think like that, and I think we need to change how we think about that. The last one there is we want to set up an evangelism prayer team, and we want to measure the opportunities for evangelism. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds impossible, to measure 
the opportunities for evangelism. So we've come up with a great idea here. Um, I don't know what time of day we came up with this, but we did, and it's happened. Every one of you should have a little disc in your bag. I want you to grab that disc and pull it out. You will see, thanks to Shelley Collins' dad, that on one side it's printed with our logo, on the other side it's blank. Have you found it? Excellent. We have two containers up here. The first one says, people to come to know Jesus. And the second one says, continuing gospel conversations. What we would like you to do is we would like you to grab this and have a think of somebody who you would like to come to know Jesus. And we would like you to write just their first name on this. And we want you to put it in the box that says people to come to know Jesus. And... Oh. Hey! Did you write somebody's name on it? It's a simple little way that we can then grab those names and as a prayer team, we can pray for that person. And we know that you will be praying for them and you know that you will have a team of people from our church also praying for that person. Just put their name on, that's all you need to do. The second box says continuing gospel conversations. There are people that you will continue to have gospel conversations. You may have just had the first one and you, need, you can then write their name, just their first name again, on there. If you want to write a little bit more information, like you might write their name, and then you might say, it's a friend from school, or a friend from work. That's all we need to know. Their first name and a little bit of information would be fantastic, so we can pray for them with you. We believe in the power of prayer, and this is one way we can measure uh, the, uh, the evangelism that goes on. And so I would love it if during lunch you had a, uh, a think about who you can write on one of these uh, little tokens and uh, go ahead and come up the front and pop them in. I think they'll stay up here somewhere. Pop them in after lunch. And it's just a great way to measure the, uh, who we're praying for and the conversations we have. They will eventually end up in the church. They're not staying here. I don't think they can stay here. How about we take them to our church with them? They'll be at the back of our church uh, next Sunday. Uh, so if you haven't done it today, there's more tokens there as well. Come to church and pop them in. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Matt, and thanks, Ella. And I hope that's an encouragement to you. That's really what we want to do, is to be able to measure in a tangible and visible way what God is doing amongst us. That would be a great thing. To measure our heart in prayer, to measure our conversations in evangelism, that'd be great. As we finish up this little section, let me try and link all of this together. Here are a bunch of goals. There are some things that might stand out to you. We can't do everything, but we've got a few things that we want to give our attention to this year as we seek to make disciples in 2022. We're not just doing church stuff. We're partnering with God in what he is doing in this world and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Again, I mentioned Lake Tabari. I was down there this Christmas and there was, like there always is, a great storm at the end of a summer's day and puddles everywhere. Just out the front of where we were staying, there were two little kids, less than two years of age, who were playing on the asphalt road and the potholes that were in front. The potholes were filled with water and as Peppa Pig would say, muddy puddles were there ready to be played in. 
At first, the kids threw things in the puddle, cautious, not sure what to make of it. Then they dipped their toes into the puddle. Then they stepped into the puddle. Then they started splashing around in the puddle. And finally, they were sitting in the puddle on the road, oblivious to everything else happening around them with massive smiles on their faces. You might be able to picture your own kids doing the same thing. Now, Kel shared this with me, and uh, I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, think about this analogy. It's her analogy, but she shared with me this analogy born out of it. God has called us to be his people, the church. To be his people, we are to uh, make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God. And as we do that, we are to jump in the puddle. Some of us are keen to throw rock, rocks at the puddle, unsure of what to do next. Some of us dip our toes in, some of us splash around. But what God wants us to do is jump into the puddle, oblivious to what's going on around us as we revel in the plan he's got for our life, our church and our relationship with him. And the joy is ever increasing when you jump into the puddle and play. Now, you won't be surprised to know that within a couple of minutes, the parents were on hand pulling their children out of the puddle. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's a bit of a shame, really. The parents were there and pulling them out of the puddle and actually a little bit angry that their children were playing in the puddle. There are voices in your life telling you that playing in the puddle is silly. There are voices in your life, perhaps persuasive ones, perhaps cultural ones, saying that making disciples of Jesus for the glory of God is a little bit silly. Get on with the real work. But I want to encourage you not just to throw rocks at the puddle, not just to get in and splash to be engrossed by the puddle. But actually, when you step back a little further, you realise, don't you, that it's, it's not a muddy puddle playing in God's world. The joy of getting on board with what God is doing is like the joy of jumping into the vast ocean where it's clear and clean and playing along with him there. So I want to encourage you in the next couple of minutes to take a moment or two to reflect. Have a look over the goals that we've set as a church family for the year. I want you to take out of your bag a, a, uh, the response sheet that's there. It's a separate sheet of paper. We're doing two things with this one. This is a response and prayer uh, sheet. I want you to take the time to reflect on this one. Now, before you do, just to be clear, this one here, uh, we want to help you with this one. We've done this in the past. At the end of today, we're going to ask that you give this one back to us uh, because it'll help us to measure uh, whether any of the things are taking traction in our, life, our church life, first of all. Um, whether there's some interest uh, and we can help to uh, get you involved by contacting you about those things. We also want to take a copy of this and send it back to you in six months for your encouragement. That's what we want to do as well, to encourage you along the way as well. So we want you in your booklet and also on this uh, little form here to take some time to reflect on the things that we've been talking about and how you might get involved in the ministry this year. So four things there. In an ever-changing world, I am encouraged because... I commit myself to the following church family goals for the year. How, how might you see yourself getting involved in the things that we've talked about? Under God, I want to undertake the following ministry and mission in 2022. And then down the bottom there, what do you love about our church family? I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to have a think about that and to pray that through and to write some things down. So would you spend the next couple of minutes doing that? And I'll be back here in a moment uh, to talk about what's happening with our buildings. Let's go for it. Okay, 
I want to give you some time. If you need some time, just uh, there'll be plenty of cues for lunch later, so just hang back a little bit and finish that off a little later. As, as we finish our day, at the end of the day, we'll ask you to pop those things uh, into us uh, so that we can pray and help and encourage you and move us forward as a church family uh, together as well. I've mentioned over the last few weeks that one of the things we wanted to do as we met together today is talk about what's happening with the building at Helensburg. You might have seen it. You might have seen what's happening in the building. You might have said, why are we taking so long to get to that part? Well, I want to encourage you that uh, the building is always secondary to our ministry. Uh, Honouring God by making disciples, people and prayer and proclaiming God's word are always the primary things that we do together. And yet, uh, we also have a building by God's grace uh, that we can meet in together. And so we're, uh, we've been doing some work on that particular building, as you've noticed uh, over the last few weeks. I don't know if, uh, what it's been like for you, if people uh, know you're a, a member of our church family. For me, there's conversations happening all over the place about this building. Uh, I had some uh, great conversations at Touch Football the other night, playing Touch Football, and the guy said to me, what on earth is going on with your church? They said to me, it's like it was going up into the air, into the heavens in some way. <laughs> Good conversation. Maybe oh, I'm going to put a token in about that. There you go. I had a conversation. Uh, if you've not seen uh, what has been happening, I want to show you just a little bit of what has been happening around the place. I'll, uh, we'll show a video here and we'll talk over the top of it. Uh, it's a little grainy, but this is a, a video that was taken. You can see... Uh, the building itself was uh, jacked up on, uh, on jacks uh, and excavated underneath. Uh, there was a bit of rock at this particular moment, uh, but uh, uh, the building was very high. You can see there's a, a fella on a machine there uh, standing full stretch underneath the building. Uh, these guys that, that lift this building up are amazing. The skills that they've got, I think, uh, for someone that doesn't know a left-handed screwdriver from a right-handed one, I think what they do is amazing. Um, so here they are excavating under the building just a little bit more so that we can meet the clearance criteria in order to put the building down, uh, which is, uh, is what has happened. Um, uh, amazingly, they put the building up on, on these stilts and you can see them big like Jenga blocks of, uh, of stilts that they put up and then they put some jacks on it and then occasionally on top of the jacks they would put some rollers so that the building could literally roll backwards and forwards and they could excavate underneath. It was very clever. Here's a picture of them pushing the building back into place. Uh, again, very confident, just people underneath it. No worries at all. Very happy there. Now, this stopped here because there was, in the beam, there was actually just a join in the beam and it was going to go kajunk over the top of the uh, join in the beam. But again, they're not particularly concerned. You just got to push a bit harder. Uh, and, uh, and that's what they did. Um, when it moved for the first time, I was sitting in my office looking straight out at what I would normally do at the kitchen area and all of a sudden the church building starts moving, <laughs> the church hall. Uh, it was very, very strange indeed. So what's going on with all of this and, uh, and what's happening? Well, that's what we want to let you know about today. Let me go back a few steps. A bit over a decade ago before uh, my time here, uh, the second building that we had as a church family, uh, the hall at the time was deemed pretty dangerous uh, and was demolished in replacement uh, for the hall that we currently know. Uh, uh, we have now a church building and a demountable place next to it. Uh, from the beginning, this was always a temporary measure. Plans were drawn up at that time 
uh, to build a brand new church and a brand new facility on the car park site that currently is there at the Helensburg building. Uh, in fact, the, uh, the, the site of the current hall was going to be where the car park was going to eventually be. Um, over the last few years, however, we've been considering the nature of the buildings at the Helensburg site and what can be done with them. And you might remember back two years ago in 2020, uh, when we last had our vision day together, the wardens shared with us our next steps for buildings. Step one was to purchase the Helensburg Hall. And that, as you know, was a very lengthy process uh, concerning all sorts of, uh, of council regulations and problems, uh, leading us to have what you know to be the famous path to nowhere. Have you seen that one? Uh, the council regulations required us to have a disability path that goes nowhere. It's out in the backyard of the building and goes all the way to the fence line. And so unfortunately, if you, if you have any disabled uh, uh, abilities in that way, you have to walk down the street, jump over the fence, go down a foot and a half, and then get onto the path when, at which point it's perfectly safe to go through into the building. Makes no sense whatsoever. Of course, our disability spot is in that backyard, but closer to the building. Uh, th this, is, uh, this is what it's been looking like for us to purchase and, uh, and to get the hall set up. And as you know, at, at the end of last year, we were able to purchase the hall outright and now belongs to us as a church family, meaning no more uh, payment of rent and no more payment of fees, which is a fantastic thing. Uh, step two was storage. Uh, we wanted to make uh, more opportunities for storage and we've done that thanks to the building of the shed that is now over next to the cottage uh, and it is all decked out now and ready to go for which we're really thankful. Step three was equipping the children's ministry through the renovation of the hall and step four was to equip the welcoming ministry and make the entry uh, opening better for our services. As you know we took out a loan for the works uh, which included purchasing the hall uh, and these loan repayments work out to be the same as the fees we would pay to have the hall in place in the first place. Uh, so it's a zero balance at that point, which is very encouraging for us. Thanks to the work of the wardens this year, we've been able to make $40,000 worth of improvements to the hall and put a storage, uh, storage shed on the site, complete with all the council standards for $25,000, all of which was taken, uh, all of that money uh, was used without eating into the extra loan amount, uh, which is left over. Uh, and as you know, we've purchased the hall from the Wollongong Regional Council. Since then, with the help of Paul Council, our plans have changed to a small degree since 2020. Uh, we've since discovered that the hall can be dropped. Now, why would we drop the hall? Well, we're dropping the hall uh, in order to match the height of the current church building. Uh, and we've done that in January uh, so that it will be of, of minimal uh, uh, impact to our church family. As you will have noticed if you drove past it today, it's pretty well unusable at the moment. It's midway through the deck being built between the two buildings. We're really excited about what this might look like and what this might bring to ministry because it allows us to use our space more effectively. Uh, we are now able to take away the ramp that was there and the space that was next to the ramp and have our church hall deck marry up perfectly with our church building. You can go out of one and into another without coming up any steps whatsoever. This work will be completed hopefully in the next week or so uh, and, uh, and, we'll, uh, and we'll come out of the final, the, the amount that's left over after the loan. Uh, as I mentioned though, the Helensburg site was never designed to be the final plan. Those who did it at the time always had a next stage in mind. It was always a temporary approach. 
But in recent times, we've changed our decisions and decided to make what we have now more permanent. But as a result, that creates some problems for us. Some problems that we need to change in order to maximise the site for ministry. And so if we want to make these buildings more permanent, we need to recognise that the access that we currently have to that building is clumsy. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've already mentioned the disabled uh, access problem. Uh, But if you park in the car park, generally, the access to the front door of the building is not the best. If you've noticed uh, that, you'll notice that that's the case. Uh, Also, our disabled access to the building is neither obvious nor easy. If you park at the front, there's several steps that you need to come up. If you park in the car park uh, with, uh, with mobility issues, it's very difficult for you to get to the church building. And the only place to park is in the backyard of the church, which we fixed up a few years ago for our kids to play in. But if there's multiple cars there on a Sunday, well, our kids can't play there and the progress is stifled. Our children's ministry is curtailed when the disability parking is used at that time. We're encouraged and excited that our site will be together at one level uh, from our church and our hall. Uh, This will be very exciting for us because it will increase the opportunities for us just to have fellowship together, to be able to join each other's conversations, to be able to spend time and spill out into these areas without feeling we're going up and down ramps and kids running around us and so on. Um, Another positive is that we can increase our capacity as our church family grows. I'll talk about that in a moment. It means that we also have increased flexibility for spaces to work with. Currently at our youth ministry on a Friday night, uh, if it's raining in any way, we're, uh, we're stuck for spaces. Uh, but thankfully and hopefully with our work that we're currently doing, we will have more spaces available uh, for kids and youth to be in and to play in. And most of all, as we started with talking about, welcoming people will be able to be seen from the street. It won't be bottlenecked and our uh, sound and screen will be taken away from the corner that it's currently in. But that's all words. Let me show you in pretty pictures that Paul Council has drawn up for us. Thank you, Paul, for uh, your service in this area, uh, what it might look like. The first, uh, first one is a rendering that you've got in your booklet there. Uh, you notice that the church and the hall are on the same level. There's a roof there at the front. There are some steps at the front, but just to the left of the steps, as you look at the picture, there is a ramp that will go up and then back into the church there so that people can access, uh, who need that access, can access the church building from the street if they wish, or also from the car park where uh, I'll show you a ramp that will go down to that in a moment. Uh, You notice uh, that there's a a nice amount of landscaping done around the sides and uh, it uh, all looks pretty and beautiful. We love it. Uh, Let's have a look at the next one. The next one is a uh, a backwards facing towards Park Street rendering of the deck. This is what it'll look like Uh, almost, uh, this is almost what it will look like in two weeks' time. Uh, The deck will be completed, we think, maybe by the end of this week, if not by the end of the following week, and that deck will look like that uh, between our two buildings, minus the roof in the middle. It's an exciting thing. Imagine what uh, we could do with this. Imagine what morning teas or suppers might look like in in the sunshine, out together as God's people spilling out there onto those sites. Imagine what you could do reading the Bible together with somebody. Let's meet on the deck. Let's go and meet on the deck and, and go and have a coffee there and sit there uh, and, uh, and, and read the Bible together on that deck. It just gives such a lot of flexibility to what we do. Uh, and we're really excited about that, uh, that particular one being finished in two weeks' time. 
The next picture on your screen shows a, uh, a rendering of the, uh, of the path, of the rampway, but also of the new cry room. Our plan is to knock out the current cry room and replace it with the vestry area that's there currently that we've been using as a recording studio and to then enclose the corner of the building that, uh, uh, that includes the steps that you walked up to get into church last Sunday. We would enclose that area and you can see a glass uh, window that's there on that corner of that, that building, which will give us a double-sized uh, cry room uh, and we'll put uh, a TV in there and various other things and deck that out really nicely. And it gives us more capacity in the church building as we knock out the current cry room and move the storage that's above it into the shed. Uh, and so uh, it gives us more capacity in the church building and keeps our cry room at the current capacity. You also notice that the ramp itself uh, not only goes out to the street, but downwards uh, uh, to the left of your picture there onto where the current car park is, allowing people to access uh, who need it for disability reasons from both directions. The next picture is uh, basically the same picture, uh, just a different angle to it. You can see the sign there and what that might look like uh, on the run through as well with the new cry room in the corner there and the ramp heading down both to the car park and out to the front. This is the new entryway. The next picture shows you uh, as to where things will go. The deck will come out quite a way past the door uh, and we want to increase uh, the, uh, the doorway. What we've found in our services is that the, uh, uh, the capacity of that front uh, area is easily bottlenecked when people walk through the building. You might have noticed that. You stop and say hello to the person on the sound desk and the, uh, the welcomer and various other things and all of a sudden it's a bottleneck there. Uh, that's a problem for welcoming, but it's also a problem in our current COVID age too, isn't it? Uh, where things are, are, uh, are problems with social distancing. And so we want to create a, a, a corner opening uh, where uh, the people flow is much, much uh, easier and allows us to get in and out of that building uh, much easier. It's also able to be uh, uh, viewed from the street, making it much more welcoming as people come in. Uh, that, uh, that corner door there, uh, we'll, we'll come to that in a moment, what that might look like. The next one is the internals of the building. Uh, as you can see, the current cry room would be knocked out in replacement of a new cry room in behind it. Those doors would remain there as, as normal. The sound desk would move from where it is down to the very back corner in front, most likely in front of uh, the new cry room, which would again give us a greater capacity and more of an openness as people walk into our church building. They'd feel more welcome, we hope, and, uh, and we would be able to be, do a better job at welcoming them into our church building as well. Uh, the, uh, the next one, uh, then, or the next couple of pictures, I want to show you uh, what might happen and a couple of options we've got as a church family, uh, depending on what we, uh, what we might do. Uh, I showed you this picture earlier with a roof at the end. The roof in our estimations is going to be the hardest thing to do and the most expensive thing to do. And so that uh, roof over the end between the church and the hall, similar to the roof that we've currently got, uh, is, is uh, the, the most difficult piece of the puzzle for us to fit together. Uh, the, it's gone at the moment, that's right. And the current one can't be put, put back in its place. And so we would need to put a new roof in its place. Uh, and uh, that's what it would look like with a roof. Here's what it would look like without the roof, which is nice and clean and open. That's very good until it rains, of course and then it's not particularly helpful at all. Uh, as we move through, you can see some of the same renderings without the roof. Uh, and again, it looks clean and crisp and clear, and that's a good thing uh, until it rains, of course. So there's a, the next photo of, uh, of one without the roof, 
and then the entry without the roof. This is probably the most significant one. If you're to have a big corner door open to the community like that and no roof covering it, it's almost useless. Uh, and so we're thinking the roof is pretty important, uh, but it's also the most costly part of what we're trying to do. This is our plan for our buildings. And having bought the hall and now lowered the hall and put the deck in the middle, we're in a position uh, to put into practice the plans that we have for our buildings. Now, of course, we don't have a theology of church which says that it's God's house or anything like that, but it is the place where God's people gather and it is the place where God's people invite others to come and gather and hear about the Lord Jesus with us. And today, what we're doing is we're embarking on something that we've never done in my time here. We're embarking on a building project. And we're asking you to further the work of the gospel in this place today and throughout this year by giving to this cause. We want to ask you to give over and above your normal giving in order to facilitate this building program for the cause of the gospel in this place. As I said earlier, we've deliberately put our ministry goals above our building goals because people, proclamation and prayer is our overall goal. And yet we want to make sure that our buildings are up to date and up to speed and in this case moved from a temporary solution to a permanent solution for the future gospel proclamation. We want to encourage you to give today. We want you to encourage you to give throughout this year. And we want to encourage you to give not just for a building, but for gospel proclamation, for the growth of your children, your children's children and the community around us as well. This building is a gathering point for our church family and it's an invitation point for our community. We want to take what is temporary, make it permanent, make it integrated and fix the problems that we have that come as a result of changing from a temporary solution to a permanent solution. We want to maximise our ministry capacity and we need you to help. We need you to be the solution to this problem by bringing this vision to fruition throughout this year. And so here's the hard sell. In 2022, we are looking to raise over and above our regular giving as a church family, $153,500. We believe this will complete the project as you've seen it on the screen today. One of the many advantages, of course, of having Matt Leach on our team is that he's been able to price, to a certain degree, all of the remaining elements of the plan. You can see them on the screen there. In some sense, they work to an order. The cry room would be the first thing that logically would be done. That the cry room would be uh, uh, squared off on the corner where those steps are and fitted out as, uh, uh, as you saw in the pictures before. We think that would cost roughly around $36,450. The next step then would be to build on the back of that the ramp and the landscaping and the steps at the front, as you have seen, to the tune of $17,800. We then talk about the large entry doors that would fit on the corner of the building uh, and, uh, and the subsequent changes that would come as a result of that, $28,500. Then there are internals. Uh, we would obviously knock out the cry room that's currently there. 
uh, which would require us to uh, do a, a decent amount of painting and to recarpet the church building. And we believe that that would come around about $17,250. And as I mentioned before, the roof itself is going to be the most costly and difficult element because of the drainage issues that are related to that. And so that will be around about $53,500. Because it's between two buildings, uh, the drainage is really difficult. You don't want it to drain down the side of either of the buildings. And you don't want it to drain down the middle either, of course. And so those that have got much bigger brains for this than I have told me that that's the reason why it's such a, uh, a, an engineering feat to get a roof that will work in that space and that's why it's going to cost that amount. Now of course uh, our plan throughout this year uh, is to submit a development application uh, by the middle of the year for this particular project and our hope is that that uh, will be uh, completed by the council uh, by uh, three quarters through the year and that we can start work at the back end of this year and finish the work again around about the January time next year when our ministry will be least impacted by these changes. In the meantime, that means uh, we are not able to uh, access uh, uh, perfectly rounded numbers until a, a DA is submitted and physical quotes can be obtained. But nonetheless, with someone like Matt and, uh, and the wardens and also Paul Council, these numbers that you've seen on your screen, I think, uh, are relatively consistent with what we will see once the physical quotes are obtained. In the meantime, we're asking you today to make an investment in the kingdom of God and to play your part in the proclamation of the gospel through this building and through what might be done in this building and on this site for the next 20 to 50 years. And so I'd love for you to prayerfully consider today what you might give as we tick off our way to $153,500. I do want to encourage you to prayerfully consider this over the period of a year. We're hoping that by the end of this year, we might be able to give this amount over and above our regular giving so that our buildings might be completed. I want to encourage you right now to think about and pray about how you might give to this goal. You can give on the website, 2508anglican.org. There's a button there, Give Online. All you need to do is click the button and choose the building fund and it's as simple as that. Or you can direct deposit into the building fund account. Don't, don't direct deposit into the regular account. That was for regular giving. This is for uh, the building fund, which we've got a separate account for. I think this is a project worth supporting. I think this is something that together we can work on because I love our church. I love our church family. I love what we stand for. I love our people. And so to that end, I want to start the donations going today. Kel and I are going to give $3,000 to start with to the work of this. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to meet us. And if you're able to go further than us, some of you will be able to match our amount. Some of you will be able to go significantly further than that. Some of you will be able to add zeros to what we've been talking about in, the, in our donation of $3,000. And I, I want to ask you to prayerfully consider this today. We want to set as a, a goal along the way to have the first thing on our list, the cry room, 36,450. We'd love that amount to be knocked off by March of this year, the end of March. Let's make that a small goal along the way as we seek to raise $153,500 together. Today is the day to invest in the kingdom. As I said, this is not something we've ever done in my time as a church family, but the time has come for us to invest in the next generation, for you to invest in the next generation, and for you to invest 
in the growth of God's kingdom in this place. We need you to give today. We need you to give this week. We need you to give to this cause. It's not about the buildings. But God is building his church. And he's going to use us to do so. He's going to use you to do so. Now is just another opportunity to submit yourselves, as suboptimal as we may be, to the call of God and to give generously. Now, of course, uh, the wardens and I and, uh, and Matt and others, Paul, are always available to talk about this building plan. But this is the direction we think we should go. And we want to encourage you to be the supporters of this project as well. It's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to see what God might do amongst us in this way. And we want to encourage you to be a part of it with us. Well, I want to take just a moment for you to turn to the people around you and to pray about this. Maybe you want to talk to them about it as well. But particularly, I want to ask you to pray. So would you turn to the people around you two or three minutes and pray with them about this plan uh, and about your part in this plan? Uh, and then Matt will come forward in a moment and, uh, and pray for us in the light of all of that. Uh, let's pray together in those small groups. Let's go for it.